Welcome everyone to Navigating Life with Coach Lowe. I am so excited as I always am about my guest. I have my girl Sunday Gardner, the travel B-O-S-S, the travel boss is in the house, y'all. <laughs> and so I just want to say thank you to everyone who is joining in with us today. And I want to say thank you to you, Sunday, for joining me here on the podcast today. Um, please take a moment and just share with the audience who is Sunday Gardner, the travel boss. So thank you, Lolita, for having me on. Um, and so it is, I am Sunday Gardner, the online travel boss. And what I do is I help people who are passionate about travel, take that passion and make a successful travel business out of it through online coaching group programs. And I allow you to do that through training on how to launch, operate and grow a successful travel business. Sunday, that's what you do. Who are you? Where you come from? Who do you belong to? Who your babies? Who, what's <laughs> so, going on? <laughs> okay, so non-professionally, what I do is I am, uh, I belong to God, first and foremost. Um, secondly, I would think Otis Gardner claims me, who is my husband. I have three children. I have a 22-year-old um, daughter, and then I have two boys, a 15-year-old and a 13-year-old. So I have a freshman and an eighth grader in uh, school. Um, I've got four years almost after this school year left in my parent duty <laughs> or sentence as I call it. Um, I am from San Antonio, Texas, uh, moved to the Dallas-Fort Worth area after I graduated school in 1995, that dates me. So that uh, brings me close to 50, I'm 48 this year. So, um, I am an entrepreneur at the heart of my being. I've been so since about 2003 officially, um, but been hustling as an entrepreneur since high school. So, <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank you again, Sunday, for coming on. So today we are going to discuss, we're going to have the conversation around self-fulfillment, people. It is the beginning of 2021 people are seeking and searching to find themselves, to find what really makes you feel alive on the inside, what's really going on with you. What is it that you need to say no to so that you can say yes to this? What are all of these things? We are going to talk about Sunday's journey on self-fulfillment, becoming unapologetically who she is. So without further ado, Sunday, please, please, please share with us a little bit about your backstory on your journey of becoming you. How, how did you land to the point where you needed to do some self-assessment to find out, you know, this is not quite it. Tell us about that. You know, it's interesting that, you know, for you, you also have named this podcast, the, the journey, and that's kind of how I've always thought of myself on a journey. And actually our theme this year is path to fulfillment. So it all is in alignment, I think, wow. this topic and uh, our, uh, our theme for the year um, inside of my business. And so, um, you know, 
from from as far as I can remember, and and probably it would be the late mid nineties when I graduated college is kind of where I feel like that journey began. Because I always knew as a child I needed to go to college, right? I grew up poor, and I grew up just being beat into the fact that college was what I needed to do, and that would save me for the rest of my life. But the minute I graduated college, I was lost, and I was like, okay, now what? So I'm done. I did what you said, and now what am I supposed to do with the rest of my life? Now, you know, I graduated college when I was 21. And, you know, I had hoped that I would be on the earth for a lot longer than that. So I was immediately graduated lost. I had a good job, you know, by, by those standards in uh, 1995, I got a great paying job. You know, if everyone had looked at my, um, looked at me, they would have said she was a success. She's a college, college graduate, the first in her family. And, you know, she's got a great paying job and, you know, she has no children and everything should be great for you. Um, But immediately at 21, I found myself in this job that I immediately did not like (laughs) and thinking, well, what am I supposed to do at night? Like, what am I supposed to do on the weekends? What am I supposed to do, period, with life? So it was and it was a feeling in my heart. It wasn't even like, oh, just kind of a general. It was like an empty sort of now what feeling. And I had that immediately when I moved here. And so I, I remember when I was, you know, and, and my first job out of college was, um, I was an auditor. I was, a um, an internal auditor for an oil and gas company. And so again, supposed to be a really great professional career. You know, I, I was on, on the path to greatness by on paper just was not clear as to what I needed to do. So I knew I, I, I stayed in that job for a couple of years, three years, and then I moved out of accounting position into IT. And I found some pleasure in that. Um, but I still had this sort of empty feeling of what it was I was supposed to do. And I couldn't find it. And so I tried to squash it with a bunch of different things, right? Hanging out with friends, trying to, trying to find that sort of, uh, rush that I had when I was in college when I competed. Um, so in college, I was a debater. I was a college debater, a successful college debater. Um, <laughs> and I had this really strong thrill when I competed. So I thought that that meant I was supposed to become a lawyer. But I said, I don't want to go to school right after college because I'm tired of being broke. So I wanted to, I was like, I'm going to get a job for a couple of years and then I'll go to law school. And so I was still looking for that, that feeling that I had when I competed and that sort of sense of purpose and all of that. And my job didn't give it to me. So, you know, I tried, I I just sort of piddled around for like five or 10 years, um, just trying to figure out what it was I was supposed to do. And I don't really, you know, at some point, I think in my life during that time, I just sort of squashed the feeling. Like I just, there was no replacing the feeling. So it was sort of an, an unfulfilled uh, feeling that I had for some years until we opened up our first. So, you know, fast forward, I, I get married in, uh, um, I don't know, Jesus, when did I get married? 2000, I guess is when I got married. Um, and then I, uh, you know, I, I thought that was going to be the answer. Getting married was going to be the answer. That was going to be the thing that was going to fill the sort of emptiness 
you know, not give me the same competition thrill that I had, but fill that sort of void that I was having. And it didn't, <laughs> it didn't fill yeah. the void. Uh, <laughs> uh, it just created a whole nother level of distraction against the void that I needed. Don't get me wrong. Love, love being married, love my children, love the life that I've, I have as a mother and wife, but it did not fill the void. And so we, uh, you know, quickly got pregnant and, you know, then you have a child and then, you know, then we opened up a business and I thought, oh, starting this business gave me sort of that feeling that I had when I competed. So I was like, okay, starting the business is it. That's, that's what the hell I was meant to do is I was, I was meant to be a barbershop owner. That was it like that. You know, I was like, <laughs> give me, I've, I've found my stick. And then I started operating the business. I was like, this is some bullshit. This is not my stick. Like, this is like, like I, you know, I found it, but it was the starting of the business that I liked. So when I, when it came to operating it, I didn't know what I was doing. Both my husband and I were winging it. And, you know, we fought as I'm sure married couples who start businesses do, or just married couples in general. We had young children. I'm working a full-time job and I'm still subsequently propelling my career. So I had been jumping around. I finally get into, you know, and I, I get into project management and I, I like that. And that again, in my mind sort of fulfills what I'm thinking. So that's kind of what got me to entrepreneurship at least. Okay. So, so when I'm listening to your story, it sounds like you started a lot of really great things and then in the operation of it, you were like, yeah, this is not it. So it, it sounds like it was the day-to-day -day of uh, the new business. It was the day-to-day -day of getting married, becoming a mom and all of these things that you thought would fill that void or that empty space. It's like, okay, well, let's put this in and let's put that in and let's see what works. And these were none of those things. So if you could say one single most outstanding thing in your mind that caused you to take, go on this journey of self-reflecting, what, what was that thing? I don't know that it was one thing as a, but as it was an accumulation of things, um, because, you know, I, I subsequently, like you said, added all of these things and up until the time that I got married, it was just me. So I knew that I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. I knew that I wasn't. So I thought that maybe if I just got married, not that I married him because of that, but I thought that marriage would be that thing that I was missing and it would fulfill me in a way that, that I thought is what I needed. But marriage doesn't work like that. So... <laughs> It doesn't work like that. So you can't come yeah, for to, the people that didn't hear you in the back. <laughs> yeah. Let me say that again. There's just not, you cannot assume that your spouse or your significant other will fulfill whatever void is missing in your heart or your, your life, right? You need to come to that marriage already fulfilled or seek your own self-fulfillment. So I needed to suffer in the marriage a little bit of years to realize that. So I was looking I thought that if I had a, another person, I could share my life with them. And then, then I'd make it their responsibility to fill the void. And that doesn't work. <laughs> that does, that is a recipe for disaster. <laughs> and 
that is a huge weight. That is not the yes. responsibility of somebody else. So that is a weight to, okay, well, we get married. And then that is a false expectation because it's like, okay, well, hey, here is what I expect for you to do. But I don't know that you expecting this of me. So it looked like I'm constantly failing because I don't even know what you want me to do. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't marry the right either. So <laughs> it was not like, he was like, I'm not, that's no, I'm not responsible for that. I, no, I'm not. Even if you tell me I'm not taking on all that extra, I got enough to take care of. So go, 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 husband. <laughs> go all this. You well, that's not the way I felt of him at the time. So I was pretty ticked off at him most of my early years in marriage. I was like, but you're not doing what I expected you to do. And he's like, I'm not accepting that responsibility. And I'm like, why? Why not? Like, that's what husbands are supposed to do. So we, we had, we struggled in the beginning of our relationship because there was, there was this repelling of expectations and, you know, and same thing on, on his regard, he had expectations of me and I'm like, I didn't sign up for that. Like what? No, that's not what I'm doing. So, you know, when you're young, young and, you know, and I, and I am grateful though, that we were able to come out of that, uh, you know, stronger and uh, definitely still intact emotionally and physically um, out of that. But those were very difficult growing pains for me and for him uh, is those expectations. You know, what, what we were missing in our lives could not be fulfilled by the other person. That, and that's not their responsibility. I don't know that my husband's fully there yet, but I'm 100% there. <laughs> Well, I just, I, I just love it that you got to a place of maturity in your marriage and in your personal life that you understood that these expectations that I have, they are not real. You know, a lot of these things that I believe, these are things that we have to work towards and not just, you know, push them and pound each other to squeeze something out of one another that is not there. And some of these things, some yeah. of these expectations that we have in marriage, they are just, that is not the role and responsibility of your spouse. And so yeah. I'm just so glad that you guys were able to get there. Not everyone has that. And I am sure that things have, um, have evolved and become better because of it. So yeah. thank you so much for sharing that. That's, that's really, really good. And I, I hope that someone is, that's married is able to hear that uh, today. Yeah. Um, so you were going on this journey and- Still on it. <laughs> right, right? Still on it. And so you mentioned that, you know, on paper or from the vantage point of other people from the outside looking in, you looked extremely successful. And so um, you, you talked about, um, you talked about chasing money in a season. Help give, give us some background details about what that meant to you. You found yourself chasing money versus purpose and fulfillment in your life. So, you know, coming out of college and getting this great job, you know, being an internal auditor, 
Um, and then, you know, just subsequently just not enjoying the job, not enjoying the people, not enjoying my life at all. You know, I started chasing more money um, in my profession was, okay, so I would leave a job. I'd be there for three. You know, I think the most I had been anywhere was three years at that time three or less. And then I would look for another position um, that would pay me more. Um, so it would give me more responsibility or was more aligned with what the job was. I knew that I never wanted to go into like leadership in the business. Like I never wanted to be a director. I never wanted to be an owner. And at that time, I never even thought I would be an entrepreneur. I was just like, you know what, if I can't figure out what it, what I want, I need to make as much money while I'm figuring it out. So I, that's what I did. I job hopped for years. I went to, you know, just the best job that would pay me the most. I would get whatever skills I needed to get so that I would make the most. Um, and, you know, not all money is good money and not all opportunities are best. But again, when you don't know what it is that you want, I, I didn't, I didn't know. I remember uh, being pregnant with my second child and I had gotten laid off during the pregnancy. I mean, when I was on maternity leave mm -hmm. and I, I took a job, I went right back to work. I didn't, I think it was like week five and I got an opportunity to get a job made that, you know, as a consultant, first time I was at a consultant made the most money that I ever made professionally and gave up that time with my child so I could go start this job. Um, and it was a miserable, it was a miserable mistake. It, you know, certainly propelled me. Um, the one thing it did do is it allowed me to see that I could, uh, to see my worth, at least on paper, that I could achieve getting six figures and that I was worth it. Cause there was a little bit of like, am I worth it? Like, should I be making this, you know, am I really talented enough to do this? So once I did it and I achieved it, then there's no going back. It's like, like, I'm not making anything less than that, but I've made a lot of sacrifices on my family side after, as a result of that. So if I had to do that over again, I probably, I would, I would be com confident in my knowledge that if I waited, I could still achieve it. And it did, I didn't need to sacrifice the time, uh, you know, right after having a, a, a child. I love that. I love that because in any time you are chasing success, I won't even say money, but when you are chasing success, you say no to this so that you can say yes to this. Absolutely. And unfortunately, so many families are sacrificed at the, at the thought of well, I have to provide this, or I have to do this, or this is a part of my journey and I have to do this. And there is no have to, you know, and you yeah. got to the place where you were able to look within you and say, hey, you know what, you have what it takes and you don't have to accept this sacrifice. This yeah. is what you need. You have to have your family. Your family has to be intact. And you know, I. I talk to a lot of men that say, if I knew then what I know now about chasing success and what it would do to my family in my absence or the things that I was distracted by back here in the world that took me away from my family. So it's just, it's just, it's so much, it's, it's a whole lot. So 
Um, I'm so glad that you talked about the family dynamic because upon you having your last child, you talked about a pivotal moment that something happened within you and um, share, unpack that. So I think that there, and this is something that I didn't mention before, and I think um, I think it's important to mention, particularly in the space that we're in now, is I've suffered from maybe three bouts of severe depression. Mm. And so uh, after my third child was this third bout of depression that I, I went through. And, and it is, I think, as a result of not being fulfilled personally, professionally. Um, and so after having him, um, you know, we, my husband and I were having some difficulties um, in the relationship when I got pregnant with him. And so, you know, I made a conscious decision to stay in the relationship because I had just found out I was pregnant. You know, it was back to back to our second child. And I was like, I'm not doing this by myself. So <laughs> I sort of felt stuck. Yeah. And then I have, a, you know, I have my third child. And then, you know, we've got this business, I'm working full time. Um, I'm working full time, I have a third child, and we have a business. And it was just too much. And, and I'm not happy, like, you know, and I'm not happy doing any of it. I'm not happy being a mom. I'm not happy being a wife. I'm not happy in my professional job. Um, so I did go through a bout of depression. Um, and uh, during that time, I, I, I didn't, you know, I don't know that I knew that I was depressed I, because I have struggled with depression pretty much my whole life. And I... I had right when I got married, that was the second major episode right before I got married. Uh, well, no, not second episode. It was maybe about a couple of years before my son, uh, the third baby was born. And, um, you know, during that time, like when he was young, it was probably about three, three years I struggled with that. And it was not like, I didn't know that it was depression. Like I knew I just felt like shit, like all the time. And I did, I didn't know I was depressed. I mean, like, you know, I didn't have that label to put it. I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know exactly what was wrong. And so I was looking externally to the causes of what was wrong. Like it's looking, it was, it's my husband, it's these kids, it's my job, it's all these things. And it was really, I was unhappy with me. I was unhappy with where I was. And so subsequently during that time, my husband and I started gambling so this was right after he was born. This is probably, I think I, for one of our anniversaries, I took us to Vegas mm -hmm. and then we came back and, you know, I pretty much sunk into that whole world of gambling, um, the slots. And I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to a casino, but you know, it's dark in the casino and it's, um, you know, the lights and the buzz is very rhythmic. Um, so you go into that and it's really like an escape from like reality and the world and everything. So it was very attractive to me because it allowed me to not think about how I was feeling. Um, so I, I did, I mean, I did that for some years, <laughs> um, cause I made great money. So I was able to, you know, uh, finance that, you know, pretty relatively under the radar without people knowing. And, and frankly, I don't think many people know this. So I guess the cat's out of the bag now, but, um, <laughs> 
that's kind of what was going on right after he was born. So it was probably a good five or six years after he was born. And then finally, I would say around 2012, 13, I had an assistant that was working with me and um, we were having a meeting and I'll, I'll never forget this. We were having a meeting and, and I told her, I said, I can't sleep. Like I, I can't sleep. I, I just, all of these different permutations of what we need to do in the salon is like in my head. And I just, I can't, and then I'm panicked about this. And she just simply said to me, it sounds like you have anxiety. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what is that supposed to mean? Like, anyway, get out of my face with that foo-foo stuff. Right. I was like, that's crazy talk. Like, I don't know. Cause, and, and, you know, her story just quickly is she had twins that suffered from anxiety and ADHD and something. So she clearly was positioned to recognize it in someone else because she had, you know, been through all this uh, for some years with her twins. And so when she said that, and she was describing to me what anxiety was, I was like, that is exactly how I feel. <laughs> like yeah. I wasn't sleeping. I mean, I could not have a full night's sleep and hadn't been sleeping for years, like, like having a full night, uninterrupted sleep. So that time I, I then did visit someone to get some help and got on medicine. And that I think was part of where the change happened. Like I actually had my first night's sleep and I still take uh, this particular medicine to help me sleep because I do sort of, you know, the chicks in my head, they start going on overdrive and they, they don't shut up and I just need them to shut up so I can sleep and get a good night uh, sleep. And uh, so that that's kind of what happened when my last one was born is I was going through this depression. It was undiagnosed. It was, you know, I, I didn't know how to handle it. And I utilized a lot of, it, 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 it was a painful time. It just was very painful. And then I, you know, a couple that with an addiction that, that doesn't, that just exacerbated the problem. It didn't help it at all, obviously. So it was, it was a big struggle that I would say the first 10 years of, he's only 13. So we've only been three years <laughs> in, the, in the red or the, out of that. So it's not been a very long time since, since I, I kind of feel like I'm in recovery, if that makes any sense. Well, I'm just glad that you were able to overcome that season. One of the, one of the things when, when we talked prior to our time together today, you talked about how gambling reminded you of a time when you were winning in college when you debated you talked about how you were detached from your reality when you were gambling and I think that these are things that people could really use you talk about the anxiety and how you couldn't rest and you know how the the constant thoughts uh going on in your mind and I believe that the average entrepreneur um, the average mother, the average person that is a boss on any level that's running anything other than their mouth, then <laughs> they can, you, you can find yourself moving into these places of anxiety and depression if you are not, if you are not adamant about knowing what the telltale signs are. And soon as you know something is wrong, to get some help. 
Yeah. So to not try to self-diagnose and be like, oh, I'm fine or whatever, or be in denial when someone who clearly knows what it is that they're looking at. But when it comes to um, mental health, we don't want anyone to tell us that we have an issue. You no. Because there are so many. This is such a stigmatism to that. Exactly. <laughs> no. Yeah, you don't. And being a black woman, you're supposed to handle it all. You're supposed yeah. to, you're supposed to be a superwoman. You're supposed to be able to, you know, have 50 jobs, you know, 50 kids and, you know, and, and be able to service your man whenever he demands and cook, uh, you know, whatever <laughs> chicken and mashed potatoes and collard greens, whenever you, on demand, like that's what we're supposed to do. And yeah. I call bullshit on that. Like, I'm not supposed to do that. I don't care what any other one wants to claim. I'm not doing it and I'm not supposed to be the one doing it. And I think to what you're, what we talked about before is, you know, during that sort of time, um, what happened at the time that I was sort of getting diagnosed with uh, depression and I was on medicine and I was trying to stop gambling and I was, you know, we had lost so much. Like, so it, it wasn't like there was a happy ending to the financial story of the gambling. We lost a lot. We lost houses, cars, you know, it was because that, that escape, since I wasn't getting help for the depression, the help that I had fall into was the casino yeah. because it allowed me to escape mentally from the feelings I was having, how bad I felt, what was going on in my life. I would be able to go into that thing for hours and just not have any thoughts about it. Because again, there's this sort of rhythmic you know, I think obviously it's all engineered on how they build the casinos and how the, the whole lighting is. I mean, it literally is like being in a dream of and the, the 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 sounds that are in there are just sort of lulling you into not thinking about what else you have to think about. So it was the comfort for me um, during that time that I was un undiagnosed, that I wasn't getting help and I wasn't seeking, I was seeking help. So I don't know that it fulfilled me and gave me the same thing as competition, but it dulled my senses. So to me, it was equivalent of taking a drug. Like if I had been high, I think going to the casino was that high. And I think it's just like, I, I, you know, I've never been hooked on drugs, but what I've read about it is you know, it's never as good as the first high. And it's the wow. same thing with the casino. It's never, once you get those first wins, you get this sort of adrenaline rush. And I read about the psychology of what gambling does to your brain. It's equivalent to what drugs do. Mm -hmm. Like you get this high and it never is the same again, even when you're winning. So you just start throwing more money and more money and more time. And then, and then it's a horrible cycle. Like you don't ever feel better. And then you feel worse than you did when you first started. I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. So, you know, I did that and I was in that sort of cycle and, you know, we're losing things and things are just not doing well. I mean, I had to stop numbing that way and take a look at what was really going on. And that's when I sought help and, um, you know, sort of climbed my way out of that that pit that we were in and I say we because I think at some point my husband also like I think he was much stronger for repelling the the draw like I think he was just really going to fun like he wasn't really addicted like I was 
but at some point that it, it did overtake him and I think it did, did become an addiction for him but that again that's his story not not for me to tell mm-hmm. but for me once I started taking medicine and I started stop I st- I stopped blaming him for the reason why I started gambling, because in my mind that he was the cause, like if he had just done these five things, I wouldn't feel alone and I wouldn't need to have gone gambling. Right. When, once I stopped that bullshit in my head about it and just accepted responsibility for my actions on starting gambling and continuing it, forgiving myself for it and moving on and then started to really decide you know what and and I'm not 100% there like again I don't want to be like you know who I'm on the top of this it's still something I have to continually work on on myself that he's not responsible for my happiness and so that shift like I said happened I think for me the biggest the the one factor that did make the shift for me is I got really sick in 2013 So I'm gambling, you know, I'm starting to take medicine and then I get sick. So I have a good job. Again, I have a six figure job. I'm doing well in this job, but I'm doing so many things. Like we were, we, we had a barbershop. I had a salon. I have this full-time job. I think we were starting another business, a transportation business. And my body was like, if you don't sit down somewhere, just get it together, go sit your ass down somewhere and reflect. And that's what happened. I had to sit down somewhere. I got sick. I had, uh, I always had a, uh, a lymph, uh, a swollen noid. Uh, my thor- thyroid had grown into a noid, but it was growing backwards and it was choking me. So I, I got sick, got bronchitis, and then I'm getting choked out by my thyroid and um, I have to get surgery and get it removed. And so I get it removed and I don't treat it as an organ. <laughs> like I lose an organ. I, I thought, Oh, I'm, you know, I had surgery. I'm good. And I try to go back to work and it knocked my, knocked me back on my ass again. And, um, I had to sit down and I had to give up stuff. I had to start because I, if I didn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gotten better. So during that time I had to, I gave up the salon, um, and I focused on my boys and I, I got them in sports and I just did, I still had other entrepreneurial small things I was doing, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be a football mom and be a football mom and a soccer. And I'm just going to work my one job. That's it. This, <laughs> That's good. this is good. So you said a number of things that I think are just so, so very important. And I don't want people to miss it. You talked about how your husband was not responsible for your happiness. Boom. You could drop the mic right there. <laughs> like for real, for real. Because I believe that so often in relationships, we're looking for someone to make us go. And it's like, if you don't have that, then I really don't want to be your friend, less known your husband, your wife, your <laughs> anything where we really attached, you know? Yeah. So, um, so that is one thing. The other thing is that when you are juggling all of these different things in the air, you have all of this stuff that is going on in your life. You mentioned at least four businesses. (laughs) I was, it was, I mean, and it was a chase that I didn't even like, you know, when I talk about it now, I think to myself, that is the craziest thing I was doing back then. Like what psychotic person does that? (laughs) Right. But again, 
you know, I'm chasing after this feeling, but I didn't even know that I was in the chase. Like I didn't even know I was in a race. Like I didn't know that until I look back on it. And it really was, I was chasing that feeling. I didn't know it until I stopped and I was like, why would anybody work at that level? Like what? <laughs> the problem with that is I trained my husband to expect that of me. Yeah. So the last several years have been untraining him to expect that of me. I'm like, <laughs> I don't, that's not me. I don't do that anymore. Like, he's like, but you, I'm like, no, I don't know. I'm not doing 50 things anymore. He's like, but you're no, that's not me. I don't know. I'm sorry. My bad. Good job. So saying no, no is a very, very powerful, small, short, two letters. That's a power punch. No. 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 No is necessary to preserve us. Because if we don't preserve us, then we can't be the football mom. We can't be the wife. We can't be a loving mother. We can't be effective in the workplace. We can't be happy with us. Because we are expending all of this energy outwardly, but we are not filling back up. That's right. Because we're doing all of this stuff that don't even cause us to feel purposeful. That's right. So it's like, okay, well, what do I do for me again? Nothing. That was the answer always. I want to encourage everyone who's listening today, ask yourself, what did I do for me today? What did I say no to so that I could do something for me today? And if you have not said that or found out what that is that you can say no to, figure it out, figure it out because you cannot be everything to everybody else and then think that you are going to thrive. You cannot, it is impossible. And here you have my (laughs) friend Sunday who was set down because she had all of this stuff weighing down on her and she was doing her very best to carry it, but it was not required. And it caused illness in her body and she had to drop all the balls. And she selected what she was going to utilize or who she was going to become. She made that decision. She decided that she was going to Find out what it was that she wanted to do. And I want to encourage you, the listener today, to do likewise. Sunday, you, you, you talked about so much. And I mean, it is just all so phenomenal. And, you know, when I think about, you know, everything that we can do as mothers, wives, as business owners, as boss ladies, whatever it is that you want to call it those things sound attractive, but there is responsibility that comes with all of it. And when you talked about taking personal responsibility, it's so many people that just, they just won't. No. They just won't. Huh? You're right. You're absolutely right. I said, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And it's, and, but it's, it's crazy. And it's a, it's a really ridiculous cycle because We need to be able to say, hey, you know what? This was on me. And this is something that I really need to work on and correct because this is not my spouse's fault. This is not the kid's fault. This is my fault. I have 
taken these things on and I have decided that this is what I'm going to do and this is what it looks like next. So you, you talked about anxiety, you talked about depression, you talked about illness. So today you have gotten better as you have journeyed on. You have gotten better. You have healed in some things. And so what do you do on a daily to self-care? If it's not daily, then monthly. Give us some ideas about things that we can do as entrepreneurs, as moms and dads, as husbands and wives, as um, whatever, business owners, employees, because employees need to say no sometime too. With yeah. these people working from home, they don't want you to disconnect from this. You know, it's just, do you know I have children? And yes. And a whole lot of other responsibilities other than the workplace. And so, um, so yeah, so share with us, what is it, what is it that you do to take care of Sunday? So, you know, had you asked me a couple of weeks ago, I'd, I'd say, I don't know, I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> And I know that that's something that I struggle with. So I would say now I'm, I'm certainly happy with what I'm doing professionally. Um, but personally, I still know that there's not always a balance that I create because I am a workaholic. So I do still throw myself into something um, and it's work. And so I know that as a result of that, I need to create balance. So I'm always seeking ways to do that. So what I'm currently doing is I just as I shared with you before we started is I'm reading a book called the miracle morning. Um, And inside of that book, there are seven things that you should start your day off with. And those things are really for me. They're not for my clients, my family. They're really about grounding me and making me feel at peace and good. And those things are really helping me. So the seven things are practicing silence or praying. Um, in the morning. So that's what I'm doing. I get up earlier, which is another thing. So I'm getting up um, about two hours earlier before I start my day, Mm -hmm. Um, doing daily affirmations. Um, Visualizations is the third one, exercise, reading, and uh, journaling, scribing. So it's called savers. So those things right now are the things that I'm doing for Sunday. Um, And those are non-negotiable things that I'm starting my day off with to help me ensure. And so thus far, as I've been doing them, I've only seen great results. I feel more energetic. I feel like my day is starting off well. I'm getting more accomplished. Um, I'm not working um, past six o'clock. So that's another thing I'm doing is I've stopped. I've rearranged my schedule. So I'm not doing work or committed to work. So I don't have meetings after seven, I got my hair done without my laptop the other day. That was great. There was all sorts of, you know, so these are things that I'm doing for myself that will create balance. And so I'd love to do a check-in with you to see how things are going, but these are just new, new things. It's a continual uh, journey for me to create that balance in my life. That is so awesome. I, I love, I love all of the things that, that you mentioned, um, and I don't have the 5 a.m. morning, but I do all of those things. And so I just, I love that. And it is so necessary for us to do something for us. One of the things that I would like to share with you to add to what you do 
is to do something special for yourself. I don't know if you like being touched, but if you don't mind being touched, add a massage to your regimen at least once a month. If you want, if you find that you want to go more often, that to have tension massaged out of your muscles and parts of your body, um, some of the 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 pain that is released from you, some of the thing, the mental blocks sometimes that we have, there are so many things that happens amidst massage. And yeah. so um, for anyone who is an entrepreneur, if you are taking on more than you can handle, if you know just your regular rhythm of life causes you to wear many hats, you know, whatever the case may be, implement these things, implement them, say the five, the five again, um, Sunday. Savor, silence, affirmation, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. Yes. And so, and massage. And massage. So I like that. <laughs> get your massage. I do like that. Cause last month I did get a massage, um, I guess in November, um, when I was on vacation and I said that I would start doing that and I haven't done that. So I will absolutely uh, take that as an action item and a challenge to do that um, going forward on at least monthly. I agree with you. Good. That's awesome. Okay. So Sunday, any final words, drop some nuggets on us, girl, what you got for us. I know you got some wisdom keys for us. what you got? Any so, words? <laughs> so the only thing that I would end this conversation with is one, thanks you, thank you for uh, having me on Lolita. I really appreciate it. Um, but the only thing that I would say is you get one life and you get one opportunity to live it to your fullest. And, you know, the biggest lesson out of this journey that I've been on my own personal journey is I don't know anybody, anything, but me <laughs> end of story, family, friends, it doesn't matter. I owe it to myself to live the very best life that I can live. Um, and to do the things that are going to allow me to do that, whatever that may be. Now, I don't advocate hurting anybody or anything, but you have one life uh, and you should be extraordinary at it. So do extraordinary things and take extraordinary risks to do it. I love it. Now, that's what I'm talking about. That is, that is I, I love the way you said it. That's, that's really good. You know, be extraordinary at your life. Look. Y'all don't right. be doing no mediocre foolishness. No mediocre foolishness. Y'all be, everybody want to get on social media talking about living my best life in the moment. But mm -hmm. when you're living an extraordinary life, you do something daily, moment by moment, you are just enjoying your life. Not that things won't go wrong because I'm sure that she can attest that challenges are going to find you. I don't care where you try to hide. That's right. Challenges are going to find you, but it's even in how you respond to the challenges, right? You know, That's that right. you, you still doing something extraordinary. You don't have to start drowning in your emotions when challenges come, you know, sit down, think about it, take it in, you know, when I take it in, um, reason and think it through what 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 am I coming up with pray about it it's so many different things that you can do but we don't have to be reactive we can be proactive 
about living our best life. And this that is, is what my girl over here, Sunday Gardner, the travel boss is talking about. So thank you so much for being my guest Sunday. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on and just talking through the importance of self-fulfillment. Um, and being, becoming unapologetic about living your best life. That is, that's, it's everything. So thank you again. And thank, thank you, you so much to the audience for listening in. I hope that you will leave some comments. I hope that you will love it, that you will subscribe. Give me some thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. And I am just so excited about everything that is happening. Take your time, listen, take some notes, do what you can, but do not just hear this and not allow it to change your life. This, I, I put this work in, she put this work in, Sunday put this work in on purpose. She's not sharing her story just for you to know some information, to gain some knowledge. Yes, knowledge is power, but if you are just a hearer and you are not doing something different, nothing will change about your situation. So in order for Sunday's situation to change, she had to do some different things. She had to implement some different things. She had to pause. She had to be sad down. She had to go through a lot of different steps. And guess what? She makes it easier for you. You don't have to go through all of that. You can listen to this podcast message and you can see where you find yourself in it and make some adjustments in your life. So that is going to be all for us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Good night. Bye-bye.